0: Hey everybody, and uh, so glad you joined us today. Um, exciting things we're talking about. Before we, let, let me just start with this. Is anybody else ever felt awkward on an elevator? You know what I mean? You get on an elevator, there's somebody there, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's a a half dozen, but you get on the elevator and nobody's talking, nobody says anything, nobody even looks at each other. What do we do? We all gather together and we look at the light to tell us what floor we're going to and where where we're going to be at, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, yet there's no conversation. Sometimes it can be a little awkward. Elevators show me that, that while an elevator can promote a gathering, they don't necessarily promote community. And while an elevator can encourage a gathering, it does little to encourage any kind of a relationship. I heard recently of a, of a, a group of young guys who had got together and they were in a building. They decided they would approach this awkward scene in an elevator. And so they waited patiently. They rung for the elevator to come. When the door slid open, it was just as they'd hoped it would be. The elevator was packed Everything was full. The, the crowd in the elevator was looking at them. There were three of the guys. They're looking at them as if to say, you're not going to try to get on this thing, right? And of course, they smiled and they said, yeah, we are. And so on the elevator, they go, they squeeze in. Now everybody is right next to each other. They turn around and just as the last one gets in the door and the door is able to slide he promptly just shouts at the top of his voice, well, I know you're all wondering why we gathered together here today, why we called this meeting. And interestingly, the elevator broke into laughter and suddenly people began to talk to one another and really that icebreaker did break the ice and some of the awkwardness was gone. You know, I think that elevator really presents us a microcosm of our society today, our culture today. Sometimes we think that if we gather a crowd or if we're a part of a crowd, we automatically have community. If we can get enough people together or around us, certainly we can have relationship. And yeah, we know that's not always true. That's why we'll join a club or an organization or maybe a church or, or maybe a group because we want a connection and we think if we can just gather We can have that community. We can have that relationship. But we're learning that relationship and community goes much further than just gathering. It's not enough. Elevators show us that people can be surrounded by other people in a crowded setting and still not experience community, still not be involved in relationships. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about relationships, and we've titled the series Grounded. We did that on purpose. We did it very intentionally because of what we believe, and that is we believe very firmly that relationships are the ground we grow in. Relationships are more than just something that adds a little spice to life. Relationships are essential, relationships form the ground upon which we in which we grow. That is, as we grow emotionally, we can grow mentally, we can, we can grow spiritually through relationships. It's very, very important. We've seen, for example, the last couple of weeks how God created us. And when he created man, he created us For relationship. Yes, from relationship and for relationship. He created us for a relationship with God. Very important that we start with that relationship and get that relationship in order. And when that relationship is in order, then our relationships with other people are in order. Now, here's the thing. Not only are we created for a relationship with God, we're created for a relationship with other people. Very important. And then last week, we made a really bold statement, and probably many of you pushed back, and certainly I wanted to push back on it, but it's true. And that is, we really need other people. That's why relationships are so important to us. Besides being created for it, we need it. We need other people people. Very, very important in this matter of relationship. Maybe you pushed back and you said, well, I don't need other people. I can be on an island. I'm fine as a loner. I can isolate and, and I'm okay with that. I can isolate myself and I can be alone and I don't need people, Pastor Rita. You're all wrong. And maybe that's your thought. Well, listen, first of all, you were created for a community, for a relationship, not just because you need people, but I want to introduce another thought. I want to add another idea to our conversation today by suggesting this. Not only do you need people, but people need you. That's right. Not only do I need people in my life, people need me. Last week, I talked at my campus about a quarterback and how a quarterback needs people around him. A quarterback to be successful must have a solid offensive line. A quarterback to be effective must have a receiver who can catch the pass that he throws. A quarterback needs a running back who can, who can run the ball when a pass is not going to work. So the quarterback needs people. Even though oftentimes we isolate that quarterback as the main ingredient, he needs other people. Well, guess what? Those other people need the quarterback, right? No matter how good the offensive line is, they can't push the ball forward without a quarterback. The truth of the matter is, yes, we need people and people need us. You see, the problem is sometimes we get so involved with needing people and Needing or wanting people in our life and in our relationships, that we can tend to forget this new idea I'm suggesting today. And what happens is we begin to take advantage, we begin to get greedy, we begin to get self centered, we begin to think only of us, and we think that the relationship is all about us. When in fact, it's not all about us. If we truly want to experience the benefits that a relationship offers, we have to be willing to make the investment. That relationship requires. We have to be willing to make an investment of me. I think about people in churches, and what do we do? Sometimes we need the church, and yes, we need the church. We said last week, the church is not perfect, but it's essential. We need the church in our lives, but sometimes we only focus on that, and we only think about that. We only think about what they, the church, can do for me rather than what I can do for the relationship, what I can do for the church. The church is for us but it's not about us. And healthy relationships are for you, but it's not about you. So I want to take you to the New Testament book of James this morning and show you what the writer has to say about relationships and about this idea of people needing me in a relationship. Now, James is one of my favorite books. It's often called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's a very practical book. There's some theology there tucked away inside in many places. But the idea that James is speaking about that this early church, this early group of followers is very practical, very applicable to everyday life. And he addresses many subjects. One that he addresses in the fifth chapter is this idea of of relationships, this area of relationships. And I want to show you what he has to say about me needing others and others needing me. It's James chapter five. If you have your Bible there in front of you, maybe on your phone, your tablet, maybe a hard copy, uh, it'll be on the screen here in just a moment. And you can see it there if that's easier for you to follow. However you best follow, find James chapter 5. Now, there's three things I want to point out to you today that I want to point out in the text that are very, very easy to see, and I think you'll understand them, and we'll break it down just a little bit. First of all, James is going to tell us that we are to care for one another. Secondly, he's going to tell us that we are to confess to one another. You're thinking, yeah, I want to hear that. That's a little counterintuitive, isn't it? But that's what he's going to tell us. And then third, he's going to say we are to confront one another. Now, those are three things that are a little bit shaky with us, a little bit rocky for us, and, and maybe creates a little tension for us. But let's see if we can't unpack it and manage that tension just a little bit. So first of all, he says, we are to care for one another. Look at verse 13, and let's begin reading there. James says, is anyone among you suffering? Well, he just got pretty much all of us, right? All of us at one time or another engage in suffering. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So here's our first hint at relationships. James says we should care for one another, When someone's suffering, we should care. When someone's sick, we should care. When, when someone is in need, we should care. And that care should go just beyond a little empathy or sympathy that we may have in our heart. It really should go to a place of compassion, to a place of action where there's something that's happening on our part to generate a, an answer to a need on the other's part. For example, he says, if any among you sick, let him pray. Or suffering, let him pray. All right, that's wonderful. We can pray for that person. Then he says, if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them come and pray over him, anointing him with oil. Now, we're not gonna talk about a a teaching on, on, on prayer for healing here. Here's the point that I want you to see as it relates to our point. The point is, this, this person in need called for someone in community, called for someone with a relationship. In this case, it was the elders of the church, people in the church, and said, would you come? I'm in need of prayer. You see, I think for the first time here, we see that uh, that this idea of relationships goes beyond just me needing people. Yes, the person who is sick is in need of this group of people to come from the church to pray, but think of the ones who are in the group. Ah, now we're seeing their relationship is such that someone needs them. And so the elders, the group of, of people come and pray over the one who's sick. We need to care for one another in church. Sometimes I think that gets lost in our bigness. Sometimes because our lives and, and our compartments in lives and lives, and sometimes because of the things that we're involved in, and whether it's a club or, or whether it's at work or, or whether it's at a church, sometimes we get an elevator feeling. All these people are standing around, but everybody's just kind of looking up and they're not really looking out and there's no conversation to be had. There's no relationship built. There's no community to be felt. And so when I'm sick, when I'm in need, what do I do? So church family, well, it's important for us to hear this about relationships that not only is it true you need people, but people need you. Now I want to be careful here. I want to say something that uh, I don't want it to sound like whining, because, man, I, frankly, I love what I do, but I do want to pr- bring about a truth here. And the truth is, I want you to notice this is not the professional staff of a church. It's called. It's a group of elders. It's a group of people from the church who are coming to pray. You know, you can pray. You may be saying, well, what can I do with somebody? You can pray. Now, we're fine with you calling us. I'm, I'm okay with you texting me or emailing me or, or messaging me about a prayer need that I can join you in prayer with. Please do that. We're fine with that. You can even right now, while we're talking about it, just jot it down on a, on a note, respond, give us a reply. Let us know if there's somebody you can pray for. That's fine. But here's the other thing too. The scripture teaches us a truth we call the priesthood of the believer, meaning that all believers have that opportunity and that right to pray and to care and to minister to one another. My prayer is that we would grow stronger in relationships so that we can care for one another. That's why I think small groups are so important. You see, small groups help us to eliminate the elevator syndrome. Small groups help us to get more than just a group of people gathered together looking up. It gives us an opportunity to get to know each other and to care for each other. As a matter of fact, way back when the orchard first started, you know what we first called our groups, we called them care groups. Why? Because we wanted groups to care for one another. You're thinking, well, Pastor Eddie, I thought that was the pastor's responsibility. I thought that was the church leadership role. Well, you know what? We gladly accept that, and we do love caring for people. The problem is we often don't know what's happening or don't have the bandwidth to care for what's happening, to take care of what's happening. Does that make sense? There's just a limit. There's a lid that's put on there. But when we involve everyone, when you're involved, when I'm involved, when everyone's involved, we have an opportunity to lower that lid or to raise that lid and make sure we care for one another. Secondly, James says we're to confess to one another. To confess to one another. Let's let's read and hear what he says about this. Verse 16. Therefore, he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. And then he prayed again. And the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Prayer is a powerful, powerful gift that we're given, aren't we? What a gift that God has given us to come to the throne of grace boldly and to pray, yes, to pray for ourselves, and yes, to pray for others. And this wonderful doctrine of the priesthood of believers believer says that you don't have to have me, a pastor, to pray for you. You can pray. You you don't have to wait for someone else to minister. You can minister. And so he says it's important to pray. But in order to do that, sometimes there has to be a confession. And so he says because of our belief in prayer and because we want to care for each other, a part of that process of caring for each other is confessing to one another our shortcomings. That's the idea confessing to one another our shortcomings, our needs. See, some of us are too prideful to do that, honestly. Some of us just care so much about how we present ourselves that we don't want anyone to know we have a need. I I know. I've experienced that in my own heart and life. I've always been the one who would pray for someone, but I'll never forget several years back, when my youngest grandson at that time, Brody, got cancer and when we discovered cancer in his eye he was two years old and and frankly for the first time I felt like I need someone to pray for me to pray for Brody and I began to work and listen to the Lord and the Lord began to do a conviction in my heart saying you know what you have to confess that need yes there's humility involved there right Yes, there's a humility involved in confessing a need, confessing that we need prayer. We're confessing that we have a need. Some of us don't want to confess any need at all. Some of us want us to think that we want others to think we have no needs, that we can handle everything. And the truth of the matter is we cannot handle anything. And we must humble ourselves before God and be willing to confess our shortcomings, confess our needs. And in some cases, even the sin as we think about sin needs to be confessed. We are to confess to one another. The sin that flourishes is always hidden. And bringing it out in the light and owning it is often a first step in killing it. So yeah, you say, well, I don't want to just do this with anyone. Again, I think this is the beauty of being a part of a smaller group, uh, not an elevator community, but a, a healthy relational community that loves each other and cares for each other to the extent that we can even be comfortable confessing to one another, knowing that reaction is going to be love and not judgment. Well, that brings me to the next thing, and the next thing may be just as difficult. James says we are to confront one another. Listen to what he says in verse number 19. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays, if any among you strays from the truth, now he qualifies it even more. If any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What a thought! James says that if we really love one another and we're real in our relationships with one another, if we're going to get beyond an elevator community, we care for each other, we confess to each other, and maybe the most difficult of all, we're willing to confront each other. Now, I know some of us don't like confrontation even to a greater extent than others, and some of us just detest confrontation. Some of us are okay with confrontation, but I don't think anyone's comfortable with it. Not with somebody we love. Because we don't want to hurt. We don't want to offend. We don't want to risk a relationship. And yet James tells us that we need to be careful to confront one another. Now, how do we confront people? Now, listen, that's very important because there's some of you out there that like confrontation and you're just going to bully up and make the conversation and just say, this is just the truth and I'm going to speak the truth and that's all there is to it. <laughs> well, the problem is this. The problem is Paul does tell us to speak the truth, but he tells us to speak the truth in love. You see, the only way we can be able to confront people we love is to have a humility in our heart and humility in our lives and a love for them that is genuine and a love for them that is tampered, a love for them that is balanced between grace and truth. For many years, we've liked to talk about the orchard in that fashion, and our staff often still talks about the need for the orchard to be balanced in the matter of grace and truth. Grace and truth, not to get out of balance, because when we're out of balance... We tend to hurt each other by speaking the truth. In black and white, nothing else needed. Here's the truth. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care how much it hurts. I don't care how much it digs. I don't care how much it destroys. It's just the truth. And then the other extent is that grace that says, you know what, everything's okay. Doesn't really matter. Hey, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Who am I to say? I can't judge anybody. And yet we learn John's gospel tells us that Jesus came into the world and was full of grace and truth. Balancing those two. And we who are his followers need to learn from that and grow in that. Relationships are the ground that we grow in. If you want to grow in faith, if you want to grow spiritually, I'm telling you, these relationships have set that groundwork. When we care for people, when we confess to people, and even when we confront, balancing grace and truth. Truth, that it must be confronted, but grace, and that it's done with love. In fact, you really can't do this last one until you've done the first two, right? You don't get to jump to third base here, <laughs> like a t-baller who hits and says, I'm not bothering with the first and second base, I'm going straight to third. No, 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 we can't do that, balancing grace and truth. I think this is so very important to us. It's important for us to see that we need relationships not just because people you need people. In fact, for those of you who are thinking, I don't need people. I'm sitting here in front of my television, in front of my computer screen, in front of my phone or my tablet. I'm sitting here right by myself right now, and so I don't need people. Well, My argument would be to you, well, think of it this way. People need you. It's very important that you be willing to invest in people. You see, it's easier to just live like we want to live. It's easier to live in our own little bubble and then just reach out to people when we need them. But in reality, our faith calls us to not live a relationship in a bubble, but to be not only um, uh, there for when people, we need people, but to be available to people who need us so i want to encourage you today in fact i want to kind of take away from this and and maybe close this series out by thinking about this where are you investing where are you investing where are you investing your time your energy are you investing everything in you and then wondering why you feel lonely are you investing everything in your business and then wonder why no one's around are you investing everything in in, in your progression and your 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 completion of goals? And then you wonder why your marriage is falling apart? Are you investing everything you have to gain more stuff? And then you get more stuff, there's no satisfaction, and you wonder what's going on. It's because you're built for relationship. You're made, you're created for relationship. Why? Because you need people. And why? Because people need you. We need you. Now, I can almost think you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, how, how can you need me, Pastor Eddie? Uh, we, we need you because you're a part of this ministry, a part of this family. You see, there's nothing wrong with wanting something from your church. There's nothing wrong with wanting something from your community. There's nothing wrong with wanting something from your club. There's nothing wrong with wanting something from your relationship. But make sure that you're willing to invest in them as well. Otherwise, we become very self-centered. You know who's the perfect example of what we're talking about? Of course you do. It's Jesus, right? You see, Jesus is for you. And in the relationship that he's invited us into, it's all about him. It's all for us. You see, what we need to understand is he has this, he, ha, he lived his life. He came as a, a, a testimony to us in so many ways. And one of those areas of testimony is in this matter of relationship. And he proved that he was for you. He stepped out of heaven and came down to the earth for you. He knew that you needed a sacrifice for sins. He hung on a cruel cross even though he didn't deserve it, even though there were no crimes against him. In fact, there was no sin found in his life, but he died on a cross for you because he knew that it was the only way your sins could be covered. He died for you so that you could be reconciled to God and this very relationship that you were created for could happen. You could be in a personal, growing Intimate relationship with God. Why? Because He came for you. Jesus has come for us. And I want to add, He came for us so that we could be for others. I want to encourage you as we bring this series to a close to think about this matter of relationships. Do you sometimes feel like you're in an elevator? And, and people around, but they're all looking up and no conversation and no relationship. Or maybe you can't even be in an elevator right now. Maybe you're sitting there because you're vulnerable uh, health-wise in this moment of, of pandemic here that we're experiencing across our world. And, and, and maybe that's a, a, an issue that doesn't even let you be in an elevator. And you say, but I don't know how I can be in relationship. How can anyone need me, you may be asking. Oh, listen, we need you. See well, How do, what? What do you need from me, Eddie? Listen, I don't. Think, I want to tell you just honestly. We need your encouragement. Maybe, maybe you know what we we have a relationship here, right? It, it, it may be virtual, and, and certainly it's over the airways. But truth of the matter is, we need you. We need your encouragement. If, if if you're blessed, if you're encouraged by something you're reading or hearing or or something that's happening, we need to know that. We need your enthusiasm. Man, we need you to high five us every now and then. I, I I can promise you, we need to just every now and then hear about your enthusiasm, and and, and we do read your comments. We don't, uh, 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 A.J., your campus pastor. He quote he 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 reacts to those immediately, live, and 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 others of us read those later and don't always comment on everything, but. We read them all. Why? Because we need the enthusiasm. We need to know if you're enthusiastic. We need to know that you're enthusiastic and supportive, and that you're out there. and And we, you know what? We need you. To, we need your excitement, man. Think about how it would encourage us and help us for you to just hit share. right now just share it with somebody copy the link and send it to a friend a neighbor someone down the street then you make a connection right you're connecting with somebody you're conversing with somebody yes it may be online or yes it may be over a phone or however it might be but you're making a connection and you're encouraging us with your excitement and your enthusiasm and and that's how we work together in community and relationship as partners in this ministry all intended To share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest message we could ever share. And we need each other as we partner together to share in that relationship. So step out of the elevator. Get into real community. Get into a real relationship. And watch how the fertile ground of that relationship becomes ground for real growth. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the time together this morning. Thank you for the ones who are listening, Lord. And thank you for the ones who are watching. For those who, Heavenly Father, who you have spoken to through this message and through the music today. And God, for those who have worshipped you online, I am so grateful for each one of them. And God, would you just speak to them and help them to know that you desire a relationship with them and desire for them to be in relationship with other people and then guide them as they seek to determine how they can be a part of that relationship with you and with others. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, before we do our last song, we're actually starting an online group and, and right now you could be a part of a small group that I've been describing throughout this, this uh, conversation. And, and you know what? You can be a part of that. You say, well, how can I be a part of it? You can do it virtually. That's how we're doing it. So all you need to do If you're on Facebook, just message us or or comment. If you're on our website, you can just comment. You can can speak to somebody about it right now. Somebody's waiting to pray for you. Somebody's waiting to chat with you. Somebody's waiting to hear you say, you know what? I'd like to be a part of that group. As a matter of fact, we're just waiting for a couple more people, and then we're going to begin this group. Maybe maybe that would be a good takeaway for you from this series on relationships. Get into a group. Ah, Just try it. I don't know if I can do that or not. Just try it. You get on an elevator, even though it's a little bit awkward. You get into a group, it may be a little awkward at first. But watch how God will soften your heart as you unite in relationship with people. God bless you. See you next time. Let's worship some more in singing.